Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Jimmy Durant, sitting in for Ryan Crile this week, and it's COVID chaos that makes the headlines at Cali Thistle after an incident at the club put paid to their friendly with Brora Rangers. Elsewhere, there's title success for Aberdeen women and there are Don's men bringing in a couple of new signings. And there's also the latest recruitment news across the north, including Peterhead, Ross County and Cove Rangers. To discuss this and more, I'm joined by two of the finest faces our sports desk have to offer, and not just the ones who are available, in Paul Chalk and Andy Skinner. How are we, boys? Oh, good, Jimmy. Thank very, you. Very flattering. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good, thanks. Never had an intro like that? No, I don't think I have. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as our two resident guys in the north, obviously you'd have been kind of keeping abreast of what's happening at Cali Thistle. Um, the club released a short statement on Monday indicating that a, a COVID-related incident uh, had occurred leading to their friendly at Barora, which was due to take place on Tuesday evening being postponed. Um, at the time, there's kind of no further information on how many individuals were affected or what it means for their plans going forward. But what's the, what's the kind of latest uh, from you guys? What can you can kind of provide towards that well there's there's still a bit of uncertainty at this stage jamie about how it really affects the club beyond the broader game i mean the announcement was made as you say on monday early on in the morning um that the the broader game was going to be called off as a result of a covid incident um as for the you know the, the consequences for the you know the likes of training and other games beyond that we're not really too sure um I mean, they, as far as I'm aware, the club didn't publicly have any, you know, publicly arranged friendlies beyond the Brora game. Um, there may be closed door intentions in the coming weeks, but um, as it stands, it's just the the Brora game that's been called off. Um, I managed to speak to the club yesterday, and it seems as if the main issue is a bit of uncertainty regards to some lateral flow tests that have come back positive among the playing squad and. Um, that has now kind of necessitated a, you know, a need to to get players um, PCR tested. Uh, those tests are a, a bit more reliable and and should give a, a truer indication of how serious the the COVID situation at the club is. Um, where it's also complicated matters is the fact that a number of players share accommodation in Inverness. You know, the bulk of the squad isn't you know, from the area. So, you know, it's very common as has always been the case for, for players to share digs. And, and so even players who, you know, haven't flagged up as being positive, even on the lateral flow tests, if they are residing with somebody, someone that, uh, that, that has, they are having to uh, self-isolate for the meantime. So while the, the club waits for the results of these PCR tests, it's resulted in a, uh, you know, quite a, a hefty self-isolation um, across the, you know, a large number of the squad. And the club were pretty confident, I think, that they could have fulfilled the fixture with a squad of some sort. You know, it may have been quite a, a young squad, maybe a bit of a, a patched up squad. Um, but uh, I think they were keen to to sort of err on the side of caution with this one until they knew a bit more about what... Uh, what was in front of them? I mean, it's it's far from ideal preparation, I suppose, at this stage. And I mean, it's been in the 
the headlines over the last couple of weeks, obviously with the Billy Gilmore situation um, with the Scotland national team. I mean, with the with obviously the the, the Premier Sports Cup just around the corner and a, a new manager not long in the door. I mean, if you if they're going to be without p- players for an extended period of time or ten days or whatever, then it's it's going to be cutting it very fine, isn't it? Before the start of the of the League Cup, yeah. Um, I think you could also look at it from the point of view that you know it's it's maybe good in a, in a sense that if we are going to have this issue, that it's it's happening now while it's just friendlies that we're talking about. I mean, it's it's not just specific to the the Highlands. I mean, we've we've had incidents at uh, Elgin and Nairn as the the two kind of most recent examples I can think of but um, if you look right across Scotland just now you, you know not really an, an hour goes past without there being a different friendly that I'm seeing um, that, that's had to be called off so I, I think it's maybe just a result of this sort of middle ground we're in where you know a lot of restrictions have been lifted in the last few weeks and you know as a result maybe unsurprisingly cases have risen um but there's probably not enough people vaccinated for it to be deemed safe to play um you know in spite of that so i suppose we we just have to hope that in this next you know couple of weeks and you know stretching into the the next month uh, before the league campaign starts that you know things can can change um in in that you know people will increasingly become vaccinated and you know the rising case numbers won't necessitate the the need for games to be called off we've already seen some fresh optimism about the the prospect of you know stadiums being closer to capacity than than we perhaps expected come the start of the league season so you know as far as the the beginning of competitive action is concerned um i think there still will be that that hope that you know things can be quite close to normal but from a you know pre-season training point of view it's obviously you know going to massively disrupt a lot of clubs that are you know not really far into what they were planning to do um, Inverness played a couple of games which um, you know they they used as predominantly fitness exercises I'm sure Chucky will tell us more about them given that he was at both games but um, you know for them to to not have a game now that they were hoping to to use as a, a real step to build up their preparation for that Premier Sports Cup, um, you know, will come as a, a big frustration to them. Yeah, absolutely, Andy. I mean, speaking to Barry Wilson after the 1-0 win at Forest at the weekend where a, a number of the younger players were involved, um, he was pinpointing the difference that that Brora match was going to make to the, the group, um, whereas the Clark and Forest games was about really giving the younger lads in particular a little bit of an experience of the been part of a first team group, but a good number of them have just um, put the pen to paper on professional contracts. So it's a, a real uh, experience, a learning curve for these young lads just getting some game time right now. But um, the emphasis was going to be um, on getting more of the senior boys involved in the Brora fixture um just with Brora obviously a, a higher standard standard with the greatest of respect to to Clark and Forrest obviously um the the more experienced Cali Thistle guys were going to come into the fold and Barry was saying they were going to make look more tactically at, at that match almost like a competitive fixture so um it'd be a real blow that that one 
um, had to bite the dust. And of course, you spoke to uh, Stephen Mackay as well from the, the broader side of things uh, and how it impacts on them. But certainly from, from Kelly Thistle's point of view, it was a, a real um, setback. But at least, uh, as you say, they did get two games under under their belts and uh, they're, they're looking they're looking good in terms of the, the young players in particular right now. Yeah, I was just going to ask, uh, Paul, how did they how did they look in those two games against Clack and Forest? Was there kind of, obviously it's, you kind of got, got a caveat it that it's against Highland League opposition, but were there kind of signs of promise there and did they look like they maybe needed anything else within the squad? Yeah, they, look, they looked really good, particularly in that, that Clack game because, um, you know, Jamie, you, you've been at these games as well at Grant Street over, over the years and... Um, You've got to say fair play to, to Clack because year in, year out, their fitness shows up pretty well. Um, but uh, in the second half of that game last Wednesday, Kelly Thistle did run away with it in the end. And uh, speaking to Billy Dodds afterwards, he was saying that, that it's important that they don't take the foot off the gas in these particular games. And they, they were kind of treating it seriously and they want he wants the ball moved about. And if there's an opportunity to score a good few goals, then um, that would be great. Spoke to Ryan Essen actually last night, who was um, pointing out that there was a few grumbles that it was only 1-0 against Forest Mechanics. And I think it should be pointed out that um, five of the starting 11 were teenagers that faced Forest and most of them hadn't uh, played at all. So um, Ryan said that he's been in these games against Forest Mechanics and they're a streetwise team. You look at that Forest lineup, and uh, you know it is that it is men against boys. It really is guys that um, have been over the course. So that was never going to be an easy one in terms of the scoreline. Kelly so did miss a penalty as well when Sean Welsh had his spot kick saved by um, Stuart Knight and um, Manny Duku, who's got two penalty goals and two appearances um, squandered another couple of chances, one in particular. So the scoreline could have and should have been more, but I think you've got to give credit to, to Forrest. But um, the, the young lads that have been getting a, a lot of praise over the past few days, you know, that's only on the back of uh, Billy Dodds and Barry Wilson coming out and speaking highly of them. And as I say, Ryan Essen this week as, as well that I've spoken to. But um, uh, a particular point was uh, Ali Riddle at the weekend, who is um, normally plays on the on the wing. He was uh, left back against Forrest, and um, Barry appreciate Barry Wilson appreciated the the quality uh, of crosses coming in from Ali, uh, given that that was his position as well. So um, it's very early days for the young group, um, but uh, Tom Wall spoke last week about the importance of the senior players helping the younger lads to when things go wrong and things go wrong, whether you're a senior player or a younger player, but there's that lack of consistency, obviously, when you're a younger lad. Um, but the older players like Sean Welsh and, and Tom Walsh has come back into it and Shane Sutherland the other day. It's just a matter of just telling lads to keep their heads up, keep going, keep trying, keep being brave, and um, eventually it will work. So, um, yeah, two worthwhile exercises against Clark. And for us, and as Andy said there, we're just waiting to see what their next fixture is be the, will be. There was word of maybe a closed-door game against Aberdeen, but we're waiting for, for word on that one. Well, it's it's something Cali Thistle obviously already always prided themselves on, is that kind of youth development side of things. You can go back over the years to the likes of to Ryan Christie and, and Liam Polworth and Nick Ross, and they've obviously blooded him kind of on a regular basis in the last couple of seasons in the likes of, of Roddy McGregor and Daniel Mackay. And I think... The problem, they maybe won't. You guys will probably know this more so than than me. But they probably, I wouldn't expect they'd 
carry a big squad with them into this season. And you're probably looking for a couple more of these guys that have signed professional deals to kind of get slowly kind of fed into the first team. Yeah, you're talking about maybe six or seven players right right now over those two games that are uh, teenagers. Uh, Ethan Cairns, actually uh, a young striker. I think he's 16 or 17, no more than that. Got a goal, well-taken goal against um, Clark last week. And um, they will be running with a tight squad. Barry Wilson did say at Mossett Park at the weekend that Probably they could do with one more experienced uh, heads in there, but uh, the emphasis will be on youth. They won't be adding too much more to the activity that they've, they've already carried out this summer. I think the the one point to just add to that on the youngsters, um, it could be quite a, a beneficial one from Cali Thistle's point of view is the fact that there's going to be a, a full Highland League season up and running this year. You know, it's obviously a route that they've, um, you know, gone down in the past when you know they've got young guys that are just that that bit short of what's required to play in their first team, um, you know it's it's tended to be the case that quite a number of them will go on loan to a, a Highland League side. That um, you know they had the agreement with Fort William a couple of seasons ago, for example. But uh, even before that, um, you know they've they've tended to go down that avenue, and you know that that's only going to help them to to sort of build up the, the game time that they need before they can follow the footsteps of, you know, the likes of Roddy McGregor, Cameron Harper, um, even, you know, Daniel Mackay, who um, managed to to win a move to Hibs, albeit, you know, none of those three actually went on on, on loan uh, in, into the Highland League as such. The, obviously, Daniel went to, to Elgin and, and Cameron had a short spell at Elgin as well, but... Uh, you know, it, it certainly is a, a route that you'd expect quite a few of the, the players might uh, might end up going down. That's it for part one of today's Northern Goal. And in part two, we'll look at a pleasing few days for Aberdeen. There is great pride in being a Scotland supporter. Win, lose or draw, the saltire flies, the songs are sung, the hand and roar will be heard. But what was it like in the old days? The days of the huge crowds and the vast hand and bow before it was all seated. If you're old enough, You'll remember, in our new book, We Had a Dream, Scotland Internationals in the Black and White Era, will remind you of those great days. If you're younger, this is the history. This is what the great days looked like. Those days are gone now, but these memories are also dearly held. There are photos in this book that will stir the dark blue heart. Photos of Bremner, Baxter, Law and Johnston in the days when they strode the hand and turf before crowds of 120 or 130,000 fans. If you remember those days, this book will take you back to those days. If you want to know what it means to be a Scotland supporter, then you'll need this book to show you, not just tell you, what it means to be a Scotland supporter. As one of our podcast listeners, you can get an exclusive 15% discount on We Had a Dream at dcthompsonshop.co.uk using the code DREAM15 at checkout. That's D-R-E-A-M-1-5 at the checkout of dcthompsonshop.co.uk. Check the episode notes for details and terms. Was like us. Welcome to part two of Northern Goal. We'll now move on to Aberdeen women who won the SWPL2 title at the weekend with a 5-2 victory over Dundee United. It means back-to-back promotions for the Dons ladies and we'll see them back in the top tier of women's football in the in this country after an impressive rise up through the leagues. 
Our colleague Sean Martin has done a piece up on the story of their title win coming full circle that's on the P&J and Evening Express websites today. And he now joins us to have a chat about their success. Um, afternoon, Sean, how are you doing? Not bad, Jamie, yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, you were obviously at, uh, at Com- uh, sorry, down in Dundee for the game on, on Sunday. How did you uh, How did you see it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I went down to the regional performance centre in Dundee. They won, they won 5-2. Um, to be honest, the two goals were probably uh, a wee bit flattering to Dundee United. They were rarely in the game at all. Um, it's probably one of the most dominant first halves of football you're likely to see, uh, to be honest. They were 4-0 up after half an hour. Uh, had a couple of penalties, hit the woodwork a few times. Had one cleared off the line as well. Um, Eva Thompson and Francesca Ogilvy both got two and Bailey Hutchison got the other. Um, all in, considering that they obviously went out with the intention of winning the title that day uh, and not letting it carry on to Thursday night's game. It was um, a very impressive performance. Eh? You've obviously kind of done a bit of work with them over the last couple of weeks. You, is it fair to say they kind of they fully deserve the, the place at the top of the table again after the, the work that's gone in to get them there? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, from what I can see, yeah. Um, I mean, it's you, you mentioned it already. It was it's their second straight promotion. Uh, after they went unbeaten to win the SWFL One North uh, at the end of 2019, uh, and from this season, I mean they've not only got the best attacking record in the league, they've got the best defensive record. Um, they've only had two real blips, which was getting beat by Hamilton uh, the other week as well. Um, obviously, the fact that they're going up to the top tier next season, it's likely to be a difficult campaign. Uh, certainly, a, a different type of campaign. Uh, with a step up in level, they'll be playing teams like Glasgow City, Celtic Rangers. Uh, but they're a good football inside. And as I said, the fact their defensive record is, is good, uh, I think they've only conceded 15 goals uh, all season. That that bodes well for them going up. So uh, aye, I think they're definitely worthy champions. Well, looking at it as well, obviously the two title wins have kind of they've come in kind of comprehensive fashion as well. I think they're unbeaten in the SWFL Division One North when they went up. I think they only lost two games this season as well. So they'll be taking a kind of a great degree of confidence with them up into up into the the Premier League again. I think so. I mean, when you look look at men's football, you see the kind of winning mentality how it helps when you go up. I mean, look at Cove; they've not looked out of place at all since moving into the SPFL. Um, in terms of the culture is just about winning, like they're just not used to losing, and I think the the Dons women certainly have that kind of culture as well. And you've so you've you've spoken to Emma Hunter as well, who's obviously the the head coach of the team. In in Emma, they seem to have a kind of a very popular figurehead, kind of on and off the field. Yeah, um, from what I've seen, they're clearly a squad to you know buy into their coach. Um, you can see that with the scenes after the final whistle on Sunday. Uh, there's several, several really good pictures of them. Like you can see the the unity just from the pictures as well. I mean, Jamie, you interviewed Emma uh, during COVID, if I remember right. Yeah. And it, it certainly comes across that she sees like the whole picture when it comes to a, a team dynamic, and not just whatever happens in the pitch on a Sunday. If you know what I mean. Then you've got like to go further into the team. You've got, for instance, uh, defender Amy Strath, who you know opened up earlier in the year about how the lockdowns impacted her and how. The, like Emma and the, the team uh, having contact with them really helped her in that regard as well. So it's been far from an ordinary season for them by all accounts, but they've shown they're, they're definitely worthy champions. And it seems like the, the foundations are, are well in place there for them to go in and, and kind of tackle the SWPL1 with uh, kind of a great deal of confidence. Yeah, I don't think they'll have any fear. Um, I spoke to Francesca Ogilvy after the game on Sunday and, and she was genuinely quite buzzing at the thought. Um, so nah, I don't think they'll have any problems of, of getting themselves up for that challenge. Excellent. We'll um, we'll look forward to reading more about the uh, the Dons women from yourself, Sean. Nice one. Thank you, Jamie.
And across Cormac Park with the, the Don's men's side of things, it's been a, a fairly busy week. Um, they finally completed the deal for US striker Christian Ramirez from Houston Dynamo, uh, subject to a work permit. And Sean Wallace, our uh, our Don's correspondent, joins us now. Sean, how are you doing? I'm great, Jamie. Yourself? Yeah, not so bad. Um, we'll start with the uh, the kind of the the bigger sign, bigger news first of all. See, Christian Ramirez. It's one that's been mooted for a while, but one the Dons are pleased to get over the line. Yeah, and rightly so. I mean, it's difficult to fully assess uh, a, a player when you're really just looking at footage on the internet and YouTube goals. But having spoken to one or two of his coaches in the States and player and people that have watched him regularly. The overriding impression is that Aberdeen have signed a striker who will get goals in Scotland if he gets the service. I mean, he's got a, a good track record. Goals dried up a wee bit in the last year or so, but I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a coup to get an international across to to Petodi and shows a level of ambition that Aberdeen want. And when you add in J. Emmanuel Thomas as well, I mean, that could be a formidable strike for us next season. Something that was yeah, much needed after, especially the second half of last season when the Dons woefully struggled in front of goal. I mean, they took in the three lone strikers who only mustered up three goals between them in 20-odd appearances, which isn't going to achieve anything and you're not going to win anything with a strike force like that. So Stephen Glass has moved to, to strengthen with two experienced strikers, both 30, both with a, a good track record, both powerful. I mean, I think uh, Jet's six foot three, uh, Ramirez is six foot two, but they're more... They offer so much more. I mean, in watching Jet play against Aberdeen last season, a very, very skillful player with fantastic game knowledge and movement. And from what I've heard about Ramirez, if you get the ball into his feet in the box, he can link up play and he can pull fantastic goals out of the, the hat. It's a, it's a sign in that it's fair to say it differs quite a lot from the, the kind of the traditional model that we expect from Aberdeen. And they've obviously pushed the boat out to try and get him, he was obviously under under contract at Houston Dynamo, and obviously the way the the franchises work over there is that the MLS obviously holds the contracts, so the Dons will have had to negotiate with them, and he's obviously had a, a fairly sizable salary in in, um, in Houston, and I think we saw from his Instagram posts yes on kind of Monday that he was he described it as a lifelong dream to come over here, um, and he's clearly kind of full of enthusiasm to to get things underway at Aberdeen. Yeah, I mean. He's got the potential to be a, a real fan's favourite, not just in the potential for scoring goals, but I think just in his character as well. And from the people that know him, that I've spoken to, they also say that he's a very humble person, hardworking, dedicated, and he really, really wants to make this uh, trip to Scotland, his time here, a success. And there is a different model for Aberdeen, I mean, they're starting to utilise that American market a lot more, as we all anticipated with the, the tie-in with Atlanta United and then Stephen Glass coming across, taking up the managerial role. Obviously, he's got a, a very strong knowledge of the market over there. And why not? I mean, why 
why you restrict yourself to just the United Kingdom when there's so much talent out there that you could potentially tap. So kudos to Aberdeen for actually widening the net and looking for something that little bit different. I mean, he might be relatively unknown to us, but he comes with a strong reputation in America. I mean, he's played in the MLS for a number of seasons, scored on his debut for the United States international team. So everything is there for him to come and make an impact. But again, it all comes down to getting the right service. And obviously you got to the chance to speak to, to J. Emmanuel Thomas earlier on today. What what kind of impressions did you get from him? What kind of what kind of things was he saying about his move to Aberdeen? Firstly, he said it was a much mooted move to the Far East during the summer, but he said there was no talks about that. And when Aberdeen came in and opened up negotiations with him, he, he was determined this was the only place he was going to come to. The Lura European football, obviously, was a, a, a big attraction. And what Stephen Glass had laid out that he intends to do with this new look squad in the upcoming year or two. Uh, Jay looked, he looked really up for it and buzzing for to start his time at Aberdeen. Very, very confident that he can deliver the goals that Aberdeen want and need. Yeah, and he says that he's he's looking forward to linking up with uh, with Rodriguez, yeah, Ramirez. So it's an exciting time for Aberdeen fans. Now that there's the real possibility that they could be back in numbers at Petodri soon. So hopefully they can get the goals and the entertainment that they've been much starved of for a long t- well, for the last season or so. With these guys obviously coming in at, you've mentioned that they say they're both kind of thirty. Do you think there's a do you think there's obviously an onus on them to make an impact straight away? Because when the Don's fans out they are not getting kind of two youngish guys that are still kind of looking to cut the teeth. These are guys that have they've been around the course, they know what kind of top flight football is all about. Is there an onus on them to kind of hit the ground running and kind of show show that they were worth the investment from from Aberdeen? I think they've got to hit the ground running because the the season starts with a, a conference league game against BK Harkin. I mean, so they've got to deliver goals and at least bring some form of attacking intent up front and what assists for others to score. Otherwise, Aberdeen are out of Europe. And there's a, a run of seven winnable games before they even face one of the old firm in the Premiership. So if they can hit the ground running, I mean, it could be the catalyst for a very, very strong season. But although I regard Jet and Ramirez as two strong signings, they're not enough. Aberdeen need to get at least one more experienced striker that can deliver goals because you need that backup. You need the sort of different styles so you can mix it up a little bit and you also need cover if any of them get injured. So hopefully there'll be another one on the way, which I'm sure there will be. Well, fingers crossed there's some more uh, activity over at Pitodri in the coming weeks. Thanks a lot for your time, Sean. No bother. That's it for part two of today's pods. And in part three, we'll discuss the latest recruitment news across our North Clubs. Welcome to part three of today's episode of Northern Goal. We'll now move on to discuss all the latest recruitment news in our clubs in the 
in the north of Scotland. Um, first of all, is obviously Ross County. They've been linked this week with a with a move for striker Dominic Samuel, who's been at Gillingham and spent some time at Blackburn Rovers as well. And there may be an announcement uh, while we're while we're recording <laughs> about uh, potential incomings in Dingwall. Um, but Paul, Andy, is it? Do you feel it's it's kind of about time that County made some moves in the transfer market? I think it probably is, um, based on the fact they've only brought Ross Callaghan in so far. Um, I, I mean, they obviously trimmed their squad significantly at the end of last season. Um, you know, we all know about the players that that were released, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a squad that needs a bit more fine tuning. Um, I mean, on Dominic Samuel, you know, just in looking at his his background, you know, he spent last season at Gillingham, um, scored six goals in 26 appearances. As you say, he had been at Blackburn Rovers before that um, and helped them win promotion from League One in 2018. Um, he'd been a, a bit of a regular, at, at, you know, at that level and scored a, a good few goals that season, but didn't play so much in the final couple of years in the championship but you know there, there clearly is something to work with there if he is indeed one that comes in I mean I think County are definitely anticipating incomings this week so um, you know based on uh, what we know you know it wouldn't be a surprise if he was to be one of them I mean there certainly is room for for another forward I feel um, they've got Jordan White and Ollie Shaw in the building as it stands uh, Dominic Samuel is six foot two, so you know might be of a, a similarly physical mould to to Jordan White. But uh, I mean, there are certainly positions there that, uh, that that need attention as well. I mean, there is no out and out left back at the club just now. They've got guys that can cover that position, but there is no left back per se. With uh, Carol Tremarco and Josh Reed having left recently, um, you know the wide positions further up the field look quite bare as well. I mean. Michael Gardine's obviously gone along with Jermaine Hilton, so it really is only Regan Charles Cook that's an out and out winger. Um so that's just a couple of examples of of positions that I'm sure Malky Mackay is uh looking at. But you know, there is going to be a bit of intrigue as to to what sort of market he's going to be looking at. Um, you know, Ross Callaghan so far um, you know, was a, a good domestic signing from, from you know from what last season was a rival premiership club very much a player that established himself in the top flight and you know should have a a pretty seamless transition into county's side um but you know the the dominic samuel pursuit suggests that there you know there's a uh, a move to to look at the the market down south as well which i'm sure malky mckay's quite well clued up on so um now we've we've potentially got quite a, a busy week or two ahead of us that's right and uh speaking to Roy McGregor the, the other day, the county chairman, and um, I should say that, you know, he's very well aware that there's unrest there um, within the, the county ranks. You know, um, we all know about the the stir caused by the appointment of Malky Mackay, but moving away from that element, there's the, the lack of activity. Uh, the chairman is well aware that the county fans want news, uh, so he, he was keen to stress that news will be happening this week. There will be new faces arriving at Victoria Park and um you know it was high profile guys who who left the club but um it, it was stressed by the the chairman when Malky came in that Ross County and what's going to be 
a more difficult premiership with big city clubs back in there with Hearts and Dundee coming in and, and Hamilton dropping out and Kilmarnock dropping out. The expectation within Dingwall, at least or with, from the chairman's point of view, is that County shouldn't be involved in a relegation battle. And when you look at the clubs there and you would have to say that um, in the grand scheme of things, County probably would be involved in a, in a relegation scrap uh, next year. But um, um, it all depends on the calibre of players that Malky can deliver this week. You know, um, former Aberdeen defender Ash Taylor was linked to Dingwall as well in, in recent uh, days with uh, rumours of a captain's armband because they don't have a captain right now either. So um, County kick off their pre-season this weekend with a trip to Elgin. All going well, County, um, sorry, Elgin, who have had their COVID troubles as well this week, are back at work on Thursday. And um, as things stand, that game does go ahead with only home fans at Borough Briggs. So we'll wait and see. The County fans can get that game um, virtually. So we'll see who uh, pitches up in a, in a county jersey by then. They've obviously lost a great deal of experience this summer. Obviously, guys like Carl Tremarco, Ross Draper, Ian Vigers, Michael Gardine, Billy Mackay, guys that have been over the over the kind of the the road many times in in the top flight. Um, and I think from maybe speaking to I think Ross Draper, I think he was saying that they were kind of maybe looking to go towards a, a kind of a younger model. Would that be kind of a fair a fair assessment of where they should be going? Or do you feel like they still need one or two kind of experienced heads in there before the season starts? I think it's definitely important to to strike a good blend with that one. I mean, the, the recruitment that Stuart Kettlewell did at the beginning of last season, I remember one of his buzzwords at the time was the sort of the average age of the squad and, and the real effort to bring that down um, from the, the team that finished the the county's curtailed uh, first season back in the Premiership. Um, you know, that was very much a, an ageing squad. But, um, you know, they have retained um, in, in decent numbers, you know, the, the, the sort of younger players that um, that were, were central to that drive at the time. Um the experienced campaigners that you you mentioned there, um, you know, formed a pretty strong nucleus of of the county team that we've seen over the, the past few seasons. And you know, when they all left in in such volume, you kind of expected that Malky Mackay would would have a, a really firm idea of the sort of team that he was going to going to be building from from virtually scratch again. Um, and I suppose to this point, we, we haven't quite seen that, but, you know, in order for those decisions to be made so kind of conclusively um, at the at the time uh, suggests that, you know, they, they will have a, a plan for uh, for what the team's going to look like next season, the identity of it and the, you know, the style of play that they're going to favour. It's worth saying as well, they did carry a pretty big squad towards the end of last season, you know, there were a few guys that left that, you know, hardly kicked a ball for them. So I, I don't think we'll be seeing, you know, every single player that went out the door being replaced. But, um, you know, when they have lost, as I say, the, the bulk of that nucleus that they've carried over the past couple of seasons, I think the, you know, the Ross Callaghan signing is is probably one that, that, that will, you know, be quite reassuring for fans in a way because, you know, he's well established at this level. Um so I, th- I think they'll be looking for for more of those types that uh, you know they can have confidence will will take little time to settle in uh, as the uh, the weeks draw closer to the the start of the season. 
elsewhere in the north and since we since we last recorded there's been a few bits of uh, business to tie up um recently uh, elgin city have announced that tony dingwall signed a new deal until 2022 the former ross county and wraith rovers midfielder whose brother uh, russell plays at plays at borough briggs has uh, kind of extended his stay for another season um cove rangers followed up their uh kind of eye-grabbing swoop of Ross Draper and Ian Vigas with the signing of goalkeeper Kyle Gurley. He was at Hamilton Ackies last season and came through the ranks at Dundee, where he worked with Cove manager Paul Hartley. Uh, he's joined on a on a two-year contract, and there's maybe one or two more uh, signings that Cove would like to make before before the start of the season. Um, and also in, in League One, Peterhead, um, Closing in on some new additions, so kind of Jim McAnally on the club website yesterday saying they were hoping that they were going to have three potential signings in for this weekend's friendlies against Locos and uh, Turf United, with the potential for one re-signing. So I imagine that would be a, a player that's maybe been there before coming back to uh, coming back to the club. Uh, is there any of those kind of guys that uh, that stand out to you, or maybe there's something in the in the Highland League that that stands out to you guys? Well, since you you started with Tony Dingwall, I'll uh, I'll carry on from that one. Um, obviously, you were uh, along with me in the the press box at County when he was a, a young player breaking through, and um, you know it's it's obviously not uh, not quite gone to plan for Tony since then. He you know suffered from combination of um, you know injury problems at Dingwall as well as you know managers that that didn't quite fancy him I think it's fair to say uh, and that that resulted in him leaving his hometown club um I mean obviously he joined Elgin last December and you know it's been pretty stop start for him at Borough Briggs um kind of following on from the the pattern of you know the last few years for him but you know in, in particular this period since he joined Elgin um you know he arrived short on match fitness um i think he was nursing a, a slight injury at the time as well and gavin price was really excited about what you know he was going to be able to bring to the the side in the latter half of the season but of course the the league was suspended in january just a, a couple of weeks after he was in the door so um just a, a player that hasn't had the rub of the green in the in the last wee while but uh you know having now committed to this full season and you know it will go back to to being a full season as well. I think you know a big effort will be made to to try and you know blend them into Elgin's way of playing. And you know with some of the firepower that they've got up at the top end of the pitch, you know there's no reason why Tony Dingwall can't rediscover some of the you know the the qualities that that had a lot of people quite excited about him as a, a young player. Um, there's obviously. Just a he's a player that's only twenty six. I think he turns twenty seven just before the the start of the the new season. So he, you know he's still at an age where he could potentially realise a you know a full time ambition if he if he wants to go down that route. But you know Elgin provides him with a, a good platform at this stage when he's looking to to kind of get back on track. Absolutely. Um, as I've seen, kind of been down at Colvin. I spoke to to Kyle last week, and obviously he's. He's there to do what every goalkeeper wants to do, and that's kind of claim the number one spot. Um, he played uh, ten league games for, for Hamilton last season, and what was a difficult campaign um, for Aki's obviously getting relegated. But I think it's again, it's, an, it's a sign of the the kind of the ambition and the project that's going on at Cove that they're able to attract these guys that have played played Premiership football very recently. Um, obviously, it's a transition for for them coming out of full time football going into into part time. 
Um, again, it's they're not they're not local boys, but the guys that are within reasonable traveling distances. Uh, obviously, Figers and Draper are living in the Highlands, and uh, Kyle hails from Dundee, so there's there's not too much of a of a commute there. But it's guys that that should be kind of helping Cove with their ultimate ambition, which I think it's pretty clear this season that they want to get promoted again. I think they've they've added they've added to the squad um in in key areas and with kind of real quality players that uh, that complement what's already a very strong squad for for that division. Um as part of that kind of deal that's obviously brought Kyle Gurley in the club, they've loaned out um young goalkeeper Ballant Demas to Fermartin United in the Highland League for for him to get some experience. I think that was the plan last season as well before um before they they did have a boy on loan from Celtic, Ryan Mullen, but he got injured and went back. So kind of Ballant was needed as as backup to Stuart McKenzie last season, who uh, to be fair to him, Stuart's been a very consistent performer. Um it's in the two years that Cove have been in the SPFL, but it looks like he's gonna have um some serious competition this year given the the pedigree of someone like Kyle coming into the club. And that concludes today's episode of Northern Goal. Thank you to Paul and Andy for their time today. Thank you very much, Jimmy. Thank you. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, please email northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And if you want to leave a review or a rating, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.